Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. So we're almost at the end of this review on understanding the five clinging aggregates. Um, and so <clears throat> I just, since this is a short suit, I wanted to just briefly um, ask you to kind of hold in mind what the five clinging aggregates are in order to understand um, the sutta in the way that it was intended. Um, and so the five clinging aggregates are form, feelings, perceptions, mental fabrications, and consciousness. There was more to it. Those are the experience of being a human being. And it's when we cling to form, cling to feelings, cling to perceptions, cling to mental fabrications, cling to consciousness, that we suffer, that we experience anatta. And right intention is the intention to hold in mind, the intention to abandon clinging to the five clinging aggregates or clinging to form, clinging to feelings, clinging to perceptions clinging to mental fabrications and clinging to consciousness. Clinging to form. That's just wanting form to be different in this moment. Wanting your body to be different. Wanting to not have these aches and pains, wanting it to be thinner or fatter. Wanting it to have less cancer. Wanting it to be less arthritic. What? How do you do that? So, first thing you do is see that you're doing it. And remember that this is how the mind works. This is the tendency of mind. The tendency of mind is to want things to be different. And this practice helps us not do that to ourselves. So I'm going to read John's words first, just a little blurb. In the Chavalada or the Chalavada Sutta, depending on what you're reading, John has it as the Chavalada. Right intention, dana, and dhamma practice. The Buddha teaches that right intention and the paramita of dana are fundamental aspects of the highest form of dhamma practice. Right intention, grounded in right view, is the action arising from the perfected mind state of dana. Right intention is the intention to abandon all clinging. Dana is the mind state that is settled in non-clinging. And the greatest generosity is to be generous with the dhamma. So here's the Buddhist words. Friends, there are four types of individuals in the world. Those that do not seek to develop understanding of the Dhamma. Those that develop understanding of the Dhamma. 
for others, but not for their own benefit. Those that develop understanding of the Dhamma for their own benefit, but not for the benefit of others. Those that practice for their own benefit and for the benefit of others. The Buddha teaches, the individual who practices neither for their own benefit nor for that of others is unrefined. The individual who practices for the benefit of others, but not for their own benefit, is the higher and more refined of these two. The individual who practices for their own benefit, but not for the benefit of others, is the highest and most refined of these three. The individual who practices for their own benefit and for the benefit of others is of these four, the foremost, the most outstanding, the highest, and the supreme. And that's the end of the sutta. So we have to be reminded to put ourselves and our practice first. And because that's not the nature of us. The nature of us is to come out here and manage and direct and try to control things that are outside of our control. We have to put our oxygen mask on first. And he, he reminds us of that because it's not what we naturally do. The nature of mind, the tendency of mind is to cling and crave and gather and achieve and get and protect our space and defend our view and manage our loved ones. And that can feel like the most important thing. This practice interrupts and reduces and eventually completely resolves that tendency. Um, like, I, if you'll indulge me for just a second, I'm, I think about like, um, you're a flight attendant. I'm a flight attendant. I'm not a flight attendant, but just imagine for a second. You've done this a bunch of times. You've, you've been through, you've been doing it for 20 years. You've seen everything. You've lost cabin pressure. You've you've had to do an emergency landing. You're you're just used to everything that's going on, and you lose cabin pressure, and you put on your oxygen mask, and then you start tending to the other people in the plane. And there's someone there who's a woman that doesn't have on her mask and is trying to get her mask on her child, and she's just freaking out. And you go up to her. Put on your mask. Put it on. You have to get it on first. Or maybe even put it on for her. Because you know that she can't think without oxygen. So it's like that kind of an analogy, except you're you're the flight attendant and the person freaking out and the child that you're trying to take care of. All of that's happening in your head at the same time. And it's with that intention of that flight attendant, ma'am, ma'am, put on your mask, that you kind of have to take a hold of yourself and say, noticing the arising and passing away of feelings and thoughts while remaining mindful of the arising and passing away of your breath and your body. That is going to give you the ability to reunite your mind and your body. When you're worried, anxious, uncertain, doubtful, threatened, possessive, protective, you're hindered. So in that moment, remember 
This is the nature of mind and come back to your practice. Notice the arising and passing away of feelings and thoughts while remaining mindful of the arising and passing away of your breath and your body. It's an instant. It's an instant that you can do that. It's not like you have to drag out your mat and sit down and practice in that moment where something major is going on. But if you have practiced, then you can bring yourself back into your body in that moment and you can put your oxygen mask on and you can calm your mind and you can think clearly and you can be skillful. It's a superpower. Uniting the mind and the body is a superpower and you have to develop that ability. It's the single most effective thing you can do for yourself and all beings. It's the only way to become skillful enough to get out of your own way, calm your mind, get your head in the practice, and then you can really take care of yourself and your people. Right intention is holding in mind the intention to recognize and abandon craving and clinging. Right intention is the antidote to being distracted by the five clinging aggregates. When you're in the thick of it, when you're worried, anxious, uncertain, doubtful, threatened, possessive, protected, hindered, recognize this is not me. This is not mine. This is not who I am. And then insert practice. Notice the arising and passing away of feelings and thoughts while remaining mindful of the arising and passing away of the breath and the body. So if you can see yourself being anxious you can see yourself worried you 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 recognize there's your recognition and then abandon is just noticing the arising and passing away feeling the thoughts while remaining mindful of the arising and passing away of the breath and the body that's how you abandon there's nothing else to it this is putting on your oxygen mask first this is how you can move out of clinging and craving, delusion, confusion, and regain control of your mind, which you will need if you're going to effectively help someone else put on their oxygen mask. So this is what is meant by the Buddhist words. The individual who practices for their own benefit and for the benefit of others is of these four, the foremost, the most outstanding, the highest, and the supreme. That's all I got. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go. There's a lot of people here today, so we can suss it out a little bit in in discussion. Um, anybody online want to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. Hi, Anthony. Hi. Great job, Jen. I uh love the talk and um uh that's a lot to what you threw out there is a lot to suss out <laughs> um for me and my personal experiences i feel like the um the the dhamma is an inside out uh, job because many most of the time at least from what i've seen and in my own experience people come to the dhamma because of a tragedy or because of a lot of individual discontent, just wanting to fix themselves. And then through the practice, 
you start to learn right intention. And mm-hmm. so things start to change because you get together with people and you don't like the speech because there's a lot of gossip. So you kind of, you may withdraw um, and you may actually lose relationships, but then gain other ones because, you know, there's only so much wrong speech you can be around, but you also influence people. And if you're very dedicated to it, people start to gravitate to you because they see the changes in you. And if you're really in, if you're really on that highest plane, you go for teaching, which is what you did so incredibly. (laughs) Um, And so it becomes an outward practice where you, through the inside practice and the dedication and the abandonment of the ego and um, embracing right intention, right speech, and a lot of the other virtues, it starts to become a benefit to other people. And you want it to become a benefit to other people. And yeah. so it it eventually goes out. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's really explaining it in um, a, an awesome way. I really, I feel like there's so many ways to, was so many ways to come out this sutta. So I'm glad we've got so many people here because I'm sure we're going to get a slightly different perspective from everyone. But um, also, yeah, I mean, everybody becomes a teacher who integrates the Dhamma regardless of whether or not they're actually teaching the Dhamma. I mean, if, if you are around other people, you are going to, they're going to learn from you. Um, so, yeah. Um, is it Lewis or Louis? <laughs> Lewis. Hi, Lewis. I'm Jen. Nice to meet you. Jen, nice to meet you. Um, no comment. Thank you for the talk and thanks for meditating with me, guys. Okay. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Mary, teachers. Hi, Jen. Wonderful, as always. Um, I love how you bring it out to real life. You know, that it's not just teaching the Dhamma, but showing us how it shows up in real life is uh, helpful to all of us wherever we are on the path. So um, thank you for that. yeah, I mean, I think it, 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 one of the things that Anthony said that's interesting is that you can go through an experience of sort of withdrawing because you've got this brand new thing that you're like, wow, this is really good stuff. And I'm going to use it when I'm with others. And, um, uh, and you may find yourself withdrawing, but like that can't be the end game, right? You're engaged in life and it informs all aspects of your life and um, may change some relationships, um, but enriching more than than not. So um, I think there's so much here with the clinging aggregates and it's probably the primary area where um, you know, we need to spend our time is that looking in the mirror and when are we, when are we clinging and causing our own suffering as a positive experience, as an experience of the awareness, right? And by having awareness, I can do something about it. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. Hi, Tom. 
Hi, Chen. Uh, thanks so much for the teaching. Um, yeah, I think the, the flight attendant analogy is an interesting one because, you know, if that flight attendant didn't have enough training, they would also end up freaking out probably, right? Just like the passenger did. Um, and I think I even read some stories of incidences where that's happened, where, the, you know, the flight crew have ended up being more freaked out than the passengers. Um, but it, it, it reminds us, I think, of that fact that we're developing a skill here. And, you know, the, the, the tendency as I think somebody else said, um, I think it might have been Anthony, you know, is that we come to the Dharma when we're already in an emergency or crisis situation. Um, and, and, and yet we have that, you know, that opportunity to practice throughout the day and throughout our year, you know, whatever, throughout a lifetime and to almost create, you know, or to, to practice on different levels, um, our, you know, to be alert, to be, to be mindful and to be able to let go. Um, you know, and I've, sometimes I, I reflect and I think, oh, I'm not, I'm not as concentrated as I, you know, I want to be, or I should be or whatever, you know, sometimes you have those sits and you're like, it's just up to you. It's just, it's just, I just need to develop that skill some more. So don't make excuses, right? It's just a skill, get back on the uh, cushion and, and practice like you mean it. Um, so that was one thing that that stood out. Um, and I think the other thing that strikes me about, you know, this teaching is there's there's a lot of letting go that's required when, because we can't accept the fact that the world is as screwed up as it is. And we, it's, we it, there's that, there's, there's that instinct, isn't there, to feel like we I have to solve it somehow I have to solve the mess that this world is in and the way I'm going to do it is by I don't know whatever it might be anything from evangelizing to starting a war whatever it might be right but it, there's all these things that we have to go out there to do and I think it's there's so much wise restraint which is required just to practice and to realize it starts here I put on the oxygen mask myself oh, yeah. but in the process you have to just accept the world as it is which mm -hmm. is difficult because yeah. we don't want to do that. Right. Um, right. So anyway, there's a lot, it's such a short teaching, but it's so much packed in and I, and I'm, uh, uh, thank you for yeah. uh, bringing it out. So. Thank you, Tom. Um, yeah. I mean, if you are wanting, if even if you want your concentration to be different or you're wanting your, the world to be, that's still wanting things to be different. So that's, that's your, re that's the recognition. <clears throat> Oh, I'm wanting something to be different in this moment. How can I not want that? You know, how can I not want that world peace? Or how can I not? You know, no, you don't have to not want it. You just have to come back to the sensation of breathing in the body, noticing feelings and thoughts arise and pass away on their own. The four foundations of mindfulness. That's abandoning in, just in that moment. Because, yeah, it's way too much to ask to not want to want or not want certain things because it's a distraction um there's something else you said i can't remember what it was i do want to reach out to you about the teaching thing it's still on the table it just takes a long time sorry that was just an aside <laughs> another teaching thing with it. brian how are you 
Good. Thank you, my friend. Um, it's interesting to see the progression through this short suda of the abandonment of the self. And you can't really serve others from a selfish standpoint. You have to abandon that construct. And so dana, which is giving or generosity, right? True dana and giving is a selfless act. And I think this, this whole study around the aggregates, right, is, is understanding what is self and what is not self. The, the aggregates are not self. And, and if you're wrapped up in the ideation or the thought process around any of those, those aggregates, you are stuck in the mode of self. Um, and it's through the, as, as Tom said, through the letting go and the abandonment of that identification and ideation that we can truly become giving and selfless. So thank you. Yeah. You just said my, my whole talk in like a hundred words. <laughs> so thank you. My superpower. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yes. <laughs> Man, I thought I was good at bottom lining. <laughs> thank you, Brian. That was great. <clears throat> okay. Anybody mind being on camera? I'm going to flip this. Correct. See if this works. Let's see. Uh, I don't know. Adam? Start with Adam. Good morning, Janet. Thank Hi. you. Terrific. I think your bottom line was <laughs> um, something you said right at the very beginning really struck me. And maybe you can kind of um, thread it back into the rest of the talk. Mm. You were saying how. Um, recognizing that you are um, clinging to the five aggregates is, you know, the first important step. Mm -hmm. um, and then recognizing that is, that's what it means to be human. It happens to, to everybody. It occurs to me that that's sort of a, uh, that's one of the ways of being gentle on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I know there's a connection between that and this, this sutta where, you know, you had a lot of um, you know, pursue the dog both for yourself and for others. I'm not quite clear on right, with the connection. Okay, so if I'm understanding your question correctly, what's the connection between being gentle with yourself and benefiting others? Um, one seems very inward, the other seems really outward. I got I you. They affect in the middle somewhere. Got you. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So if in order to be completely skillful with any situation, let's take a situation where you're dealing with another person um, and you want to help that person. In order to really, really help them, you have to be able to radically accept them for who they are in this moment. Same way that you do it for yourself. Right. Yes. Right. Oh, that was it? Oh, that's all you needed. Okay. Can you actually elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, what does that look like? Can you give me an example? So, oh, oh boy. I feel like anytime I, if I come up with an example, it's just going to, it's going to get muddy. Um, okay. No, no, no. So if you, 
What if I gave you an example? My, no, I, I got an example. <laughs> Actually, I've got an example. So I'm going to apologize right now to my husband. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we have a new puppy and boy, he's just working so hard on training this puppy. And I'm just so proud of him. He's doing great. But he's definitely like over identifying with, you know, the puppy being in a certain way or behaving a particular way anytime you know there's like a little incident where you know she reacts to another dog and he gets really really upset because he's attached to her being a particular way which is not how she is right now in this moment right so he is suffering because he is not radically accepting her as she is right now in this moment and I am suffering because I want him to be different. I want him to see, I want him to have the awakened view that, you know, you can't just have the dog be how you want it to be. It's going to, you're going to have to adjust. So if, if you can radically accept, if he can radically accept the dog, if I can radically accept him for, in his way of being upset by the dog then I'm going to suffer less. I'm not going to get mad at him. I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm not going to be resentful. Even I'm, if his behavior stays the same. Even if his behavior stays the same, yeah. I can I can be calm and at peace with how he is and be more skillful and present to help him get out of his own way. So you're, well, maybe you'll feel those feelings of resentment, but you'd have the practice to come back to the breath and abandon those feelings right 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 so it's not like we can expect we're just going to automatically sure no 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 of course people. not no 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 okay. it's like no absolutely not no at, great thank you for sussing that out and getting right. a little more granular about it so yeah what do i actually do i i notice myself getting angry and frustrated and resentful and i come back to what i'm experiencing a feeling arising Right. And and instead of, oh, well, he needs to, and I need to tell him and I should really get, and I, maybe I need to take care of the dog more often. And, you know, all of that just causes more of this, like, because yeah. I'm really busy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You know, but if, and if I, but, you know, it's usually like at this point where I go, oh, wait, where I recognize, where I recognize that I'm, you know, anxious, upset, worried, you know, consumed with uncertainty. How is this going to turn out? Don't even know where you are. Right, right, right. And that's when I can come back to, okay, I need to put my concentration on my, and it's like, it happens like that. If you can just, what's happening with me? Let me just be here for me for just like a split second. I'd leave him alone. He just let, just, yeah, I let him. You don't contribute. Right. Yeah. I don't contribute. So that's being a teacher and right. helping him not contribute. Right. Because he can't possibly because he has no practice. Right. Right. Yeah. That's although very helpful. Thank you. Hmm? Yeah, although he is already enlightened, as you said. Yes. <laughs> My husband said that last night. I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he said it. And he was too. like getting really bad about something. He's like, I'm enlightened. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Cool. I was actually when I first started, when I first started uh 
teach, te- not teaching, practicing. I was like, it was basically what everybody was talking about. Anthony was talking about this. Mary was talking about this kind of that feeling of like isolating yourself and like kind of withdrawing from relationships because, you know, they're stressful and there's wrong speech and, and, um, I got worried that I was going to like somehow no longer be able to be married to him because like I was going to become so enlightened that I was no longer going to like be, you know, able to, to interact with him. And, and like, there was no other, there was no other, there's nothing wrong. My, there was nothing else going on. It was just that, just me. Mm -hmm. And I, so I said it to him, it's like, I'm just really worried that this practice is going to like, He's like, babe, don't worry. I'm, you're never going to be more enlightened than me. <laughs> <laughs> they should get together. That helped me so much that I was like, oh yeah, this is rid- that's just ridiculous. All of it. It's just eye making. It's just all like, oh. but yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, um, Raquel. Good morning. <clears throat> oh. Wonderful teaching. Uh, it's to me it's like uh, easy to practice still learning of course but let it go and letting go if things are going relatively well yeah as soon as uh, like you have lots of things going on with uh, seeing people that you love suffering seeing people not doing well with health and other things it's not easy we start losing the focus and the concentration mm-hmm. but um i think it's just practicing practice going back to mm-hmm. remember to breathe it too but it sometimes it seems that you be that's a bombard with so many things at the same time mm-hmm. and your mind gets up scales and not always oh yeah (laughs) good I'm glad always be gentle with yourself always be gentle with yourself that's hold that in mind if nothing else thank you Mm -hmm. hi Julia Hey, Jen, that was so great. So good to see you. It's uh, teaching was short and sweet. And uh, yeah, you did a really wonderful job. Oh, thanks. Um, What I noticed is that, especially when you were explaining your story with your husband, (laughs) that um, uh, that we're like, um, we're all very similar. (laughs) And it's... Really incredible that these words help all of us. And um, like the Buddha's teaching. And that, how do I say this? Um, We're all very similar, that we're all trying to um, either change someone's perspective because we all believe, I mean, I don't mean to speak for everyone, but like uh, just based on your story, my mm-hmm. story, when I hear other people, like we think our perspective is so like set in stone. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I just noticed that <laughs> probably like 
it helps me like in this moment develop more compassion um for other people's for other people being like that because i'm like that too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um current situations and yeah just it's just uh i just noticed that we're all very similar so when you know i don't know like if i'm a, a think that someone else should be a different way towards how you know they're handling the dog yeah yeah it's like i'm i'm uh reacting Mm -hmm. to what i'm exactly doing yep so it's like we're all going circle really the same cycle so um and that happens like uh often so you just uh notice especially because i've been um coming to this class i mean i haven't come in a while a long time but I started to come here like in a year and a half ago. Um, and I noticed that it's, I like notice it quicker than oh when you're in your own world constantly. Yeah. And then when you practice the Dhamma, you're able to uh, notice it sooner and sooner. Mm. Usually, yeah, yeah. always, but. Right. But at least you're able to recognize rather than just living in that bubble. Sure. And you're like, oh, wow, I can actually see it now. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you for that. Everybody driving the point home. Mr. Haspel. Thank you, Jenna. Again, another standing (laughs) teaching on a... a short, rather thick sutta, and you can say this about any sutta, but this sutta is a complete teaching, and it's a complete teaching on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So each of those different four levels uh, begin with someone who is indifferent, and so no reason to change or will not, and then to someone who wants to save the world the salvation takes place and that's also part of i isn't it uh, and then the next one is someone who's just doing this in in a way that has a little bit more service in mind you get to that fourth level and that's someone who is no longer think, thinking that they need to save people but when you say the dhamma is not about salvation most people's minds go to getting people to some better place mm. in the next life. And it's not that grandiose. Mm-hmm. You're trying to save, in your case, you're trying to save someone from not acting in a bad way. Right, right, it's right, right, right. Yep. Still yep. And so all of this comes down to me wanting something to be different. So, of course, mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want people starving to death in the world. But understanding dukkha allows me to also understand that there's not much I can do about that globally, but maybe there's a family down the street I can bring a bowl of soup to. I'm not trying to save the world. I'm not trying to save that family. But because I've been in conflict in my own mind, now I won't introduce it in a way that might have me uh, inciting people to violent protest against something. I just understand it. Mm-hmm. And I end conflict in my mind. And when you just described it, and everybody did, it was just mm-hmm. wonderful discussions. Once the conflict has ended in my mind, I'm not going to need to tell you to be any different because I'm not in conflict. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't normally 
can necessarily approve of certain behavior or certain events, but we learn a difference between approval and acceptance. Mm -hmm. Approval is rooted in I make and I have to judge this as good for me, good for the world, blah, blah, blah. Or I just accept it because I understand there's too good. And, and it really, <laughs> it seems very complicated. And most all of us have a yeah, but. So if we're bringing dominance to most areas of our life, but with my spouse, that's a different story. Or at work, it's a different story. Or here and there. The, well, here's an exception of well, I can I don't need to pay attention to the Dhamma right now. Here's yeah. an exception. Yeah. This is something that's more yeah. important. Than more important. Maybe. Right. But that's just another excuse for continued I make. Mm -hmm. And somebody mental mental mentioned <laughs> being gentle. That was Adam. And where does yeah, and and the gentle part is I'm no longer introducing conflict in my mind through radical acceptance. And I'm not going to give it out into the world either. So by being gentle with ourselves, we can walk gently on this planet too. And it's all just a progression of, of diminishing eye making. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent class, excellent comments. The other thing I was thinking about while we're going around the room, there's no such thing as advanced Dhamma teaching, like we don't get to some yeah. level and then... Now, uh, guess what? You're lucky you get into this new secret world. There's none of that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some. Um, but the Dhamma can be very nuanced at times. And everyone here who has spoken so far, anyway, understands where this fits. And and that's that's pretty profound. You know, I didn't hear. I don't know if any other practice that would bring this level of understanding. And here in this room right now and online, everybody sees how it fits. I, that's just remarkable. Okay, this the Dhamma works for those that actually practice it. Good example of that. So great teaching, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Don. And you just reminded me of like when you. <clears throat> more you practice and you know really is you start to see for yourself one time that you are able to recognize and abandon where you're able to come back to the sense feelings arising and passing away thoughts arising and passing away and the breath arising and passing away in an instant when you're dealing with a situation that's stressful. One time doing that, I'm sure you've all experienced it. You see a profound difference in how things play out and you go, whoa. Did I put you on a spot, Jen? Whoa. <laughs> so you had to, you had a, Jack, is that the dog? The dog oh, the new dog's Gabby. Gabby. Yeah. So you've had Gabby for a little while. Yeah, now. a little while. And Alec has been trying to train him as best <laughs> as he can. Her. Have, yeah. her. <laughs> have you have you noticed that your reaction is diminishing every time you recognize it and abandon? Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. That's yeah, practical that's what I mean. example. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Works, and eventually you get to the point where you completely abandon eye making, at least in that setting. In that you know, yeah. But that's a big thing. Like right. You know, they, Every for everyone. Hey, mom. 
Wait, let me turn the camera. They're going to see you. Of course, that was great. Mm -hmm. um, I love the way you, you brought everything home with examples because I really, really learn best through examples. So that's that's great. Um, and I think what, what I have had trouble really learning is that this it's gonna Duke is gonna happen. You can't stop it from happening. And that is a direction that I was trying uh, that I sort of was naturally going in for a while in this practice. And the idea that you just recognize it. And it's almost like when you recognize it and you do that, you really can make the wrong turn off the elevator turn into the right mm -hmm. turn of the elevator. And I have noticed that I'm at a point in my practice now where I have noticed that happening a lot throughout the day. You just, you feel that. And, and in the past, I would have just kept following it mm -hmm. in that direction to the point where, who knows. But you just, it will happen. Just rec you recognize it, you understand it, and you breathe. Um, there's still some things that I have a lot of trouble with. Um, <laughs> accepting accepting the world, not taking it personally, is really hard. And I so I the only way I've been able to really solve that is don't watch the news. And that's so that, that's yeah. what I've been doing. It's mm -hmm. just not watching the news. And, um, because when I do that happens, and I can't make the right turn. It's very hard for me to. You have to also realize that that news is designed to. I know, I know. <clears throat> so, so I guess the, the idea of not watching the news is really the best way to handle that mm -hmm. at this mm -hmm. point in my practice. The news encompasses Dukkha, doesn't it? For sure. That's where the Buddha told us to start and end right there. Yeah. It's all Dukkha. Well, it's all there because of greed and aversion. Yeah, and it's like just, a, yeah. But the deepening of your practice will help with will that. Will help you understand that the flames of passion are in your head. Exactly. So watching mm -hmm. the news becomes easier because you're sensitive to it, good, bad, and different. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point is the deepening will allow you to create <clears throat> terribleness in whatever corner of the world or in this room or in yourself. It's a recognition of mm. it's arising, passing away. So it's, I haven't watched the news in years, but at this point I hear it and I understand that Duke exists. Mm. So it, it, again, the passions of, the world or in my head if I allow it so you know don't run away from it because you can't run away from it mm -hmm. 
Well, I guess, David, thank you. Oh. The, really, that's what I was asking. Will you get, you'll get to a point in your practice where <clears throat> you're, you'll be able to. Uh, that's the best part of Jen. Just, can't, just, you'll be able to recognize it and not want to fix it. Those are the exceptions that we all talk about. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. My daughter, my dog. Right. Right. Kosovo. Mm. <laughs> Keep going. Keep yeah, going. yeah, yeah. It's always something. You don't accept it. You understand it. Right. You don't accept it, but you understand it. The one good thing about watching the news is that you get a good example of the results of greed and aversion because of deluded thinking. Other than that, that's it, really not going to be very good. You have to yeah. understand that. Yeah. If you really understand that, okay, watch the news once in a while if you're not taking it personally. But that's just, it is. This is a great example of greed and aversion, and we know where it comes from. It, the fact that I can't do much about it except end conflict in my mind and I don't introduce any additional conflict in the world, well, that's the most anybody could do. That's very really helpful. And the Buddha understood that. Remember, the, the Buddha was a prince in his father's kingdom. If he thought there was some value, and, and I, and, you know, I call him the most brilliant thinker that's ever lived, at least up until now, if he wanted to, to, uh, Fix the his neighbor who keeps stealing his 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 father the king's corn. So let's go start a war. I need that power. Or I need the money. You know the great the great power that comes with wealth, and then I can solve all the all the problems in the world. But he knew that that wasn't the right approach, and so he left that world behind and talked to Dhamma for the rest of his life, because he felt and he knew that that was the one. Thing that he could do to make a difference. Still true today, isn't it? Thank you, Jim. Yeah, for being great. So, when you still like accept things, but there are things that can make a contribution, that we can change in your own family. I'm not talking about news, of course. But when do you accept and when do you engage in okay, I can change that that's where your practice comes in so you have to get in the habit of checking it and bringing into mind right intention or holding in mind right intention all the time so that you can notice if you're craving and clinging and distracted here. by it if there's tension in the mind and the body if you're agitated you might be over identifying with wanting things to be different and needing to kind of come back to the breath and the body feelings arising thoughts arising probably some hindrance there yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i think there's there's also a principle here um, that when you when you are practicing this mindset and you are accepting of people and you are experiencing your life differently, um, your loved ones will observe that and they'll benefit from observing it. But like 
I am also more enlightened than my wife. <laughs> she will now come to me and say, this thing is bothering me. And because I don't feel like I need to fix her problems or solve her life, um, a lot of the time I just repeat what she says back to her. And I hope her to accept or you but there's a there's a principle that people will be attracted. People will come to you. And mm. um and it's okay in that moment to to be present for them right. and to observe and to accept. And most of the time when people are coming to you with a problem or with something they're struggling with. They just want some acceptance. They just want to be observed and accepted, mm -hmm. to be heard. Um, and if you are practicing all of those things for yourself, if you are in the mindset that I am not attached to um, personality or ego, and I'm accepting of myself. And you're also going to demonstrate those principles to the people that are around you. And, and that's what, I mean, at least my, it's, it's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's what I think people are really, if we're talking about helping anyone. Right, right. Then um, you have to be present. Right. You have to be present for them. By, yeah. You're going to help them by fixing. Right, you're right, help right. Them by being with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Well said. Thank you. Ron, do you have to go? I'm going to skip Bridget for a second if you have to go. I'll come back to her. How about that? Because I do want to hear from you. Thank you for keeping this like really practical and personal. The first example that he gives. Now I've been there quite a bit, um, and it's that's the intellectual pursuit of, mm. of, of religion, salvation, whatever. You know, it's It's not for your benefit because it's totally based in in eye making. Mm. Um, and it's pretty much ineffective, you know, in what you're trying to do anyhow. Then when you get to to actually find a practice like this one, um, there is that that first part where you realize, oh my God, this is really working. You know, all these things that I've been struggling with, I can now, I can now resolve. Um, and I think it, it leads to a, a time of, of um, really seeking seclusion mm -hmm. very, very adamantly um, because, man, uh, you know, you get you actually get greedy in, in the Dharma sometimes. Um, and then when that finally relaxes, then you can start putting that that um, attention out there again, or at least letting it back in mm -hmm. that you see um, 
you see the suffering and you realize you cause you've now understood your own suffering and you understood your yeah. own grief and delusion. Um, now those those things um, become much, much clearer. Oh, this is what's going on. And then you can make a decision at that point of whether to whether to even uh, go in there and 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 give your ten cents or not, because uh, sometimes there's something that can be added to the situation. Yeah, uh, that that will um, that improve will solve it. Anything. Yeah, uh, and I I still find myself in in that in that place where. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, of strife going on between my wife and my daughter. And uh, I now see, you know, the very instant that, that it, it's going to go off again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, at times I can, I can uh, just step in there. But um, I also have to realize that I need to again get back into my own practice because i don't want to see that strife yeah and um at that point i'm there goes my effectiveness Mm -hmm. trying to alleviate anything because it just comes out of my aversion yeah yeah that's not gonna happen And then, yeah, once you get over that part, um, then the two combine. Then your benefit and Mm. their benefit is the same thing. Yeah. There's no more, there's no conflict in there. Um, And um, still may not solve the strife, but you solve the strife in yourself. Mm. Thank you, Ron. That was really good explanation Bridget thank you meditation Jen um, yeah my comments kind of touch on what Raquel and Ron were um, teasing out just that in the world you have control over one thing your mind you don't even have control over your body when you broaden that sphere out you have influence over your body and a very narrow amount of other things and then there's all the stuff you have you don't even have influence over and the practice is designed to give you the wisdom to know the and the need for it to be a practice rather than just something that's granted to you that mm. you just are bequeathed or once you have your have the reason yeah. you need to practice mm-hmm. is because that is difficult mm. and it requires concentration mm. and when you're clinging and you're craving and you're running away from and you're eye making and you're doing all these things of course you can't see and not only do you need to see the difference between what you can influence or change but you need to be able to do so without being clouded by all those things mm. that might make it difficult. So that's a lot of things to do mm. in the present. And I think that's why we spend so much time ruminating. Because we know that it's going to be difficult to do that in the moment. So we try to plan ahead because we're clinging <clears throat> to 
them mm. in advance, <laughs> you know. So I think that, you know, this sutta really helps us kind of tease out, you know, the dynamics of what's happening there. And it gives us that opportunity to see that, okay, you know, the best thing you can do is start with yourself, get control over your mind. Mm. And only then will you even have the opportunity to offer benefit to those around you. Mm -hmm. so. Yay. That's well said. Thanks, Bridget. Beautiful. Wow. I'm not going to add to that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Adam. Hi, Laura. The way that you taught this sutta and everyone's uh, comments were really helpful today in affirming for me how much um, generosity or, you know, this concept of Donna is really, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels after studying, you know, the sutta and other talks we've heard that it's it's very much like an internal kind of process you know being generous with myself in a way that kind of touches upon what you were saying like right intention is an antidote to the mm. it's my attachment to these five thinking aggregates you know form feeling perceptions fabrications consciousness and and then in john's previous talk about right you and how that's connected mm -hmm. the aggregates and my attachment to them and it's like only when i'm honest and gentle with myself am i able to be in like a clear state of mind to do what raquel was saying which is mm -hmm. you know how do i <clears throat> to intervene well, mm. you know it gives you kind of the insight whether this person in front of you that I'm trying to help are they going to be receptive even to what I'm mm -hmm. saying yeah. like, I could be totally 100% right in what I'm trying to do or be generous with them or give something to them or help them but it's not about that external it's more like I'm realizing internal and that ability to judge okay or have the insight you know mm. are they ready to you know or do they do they truly need my help here or like you know, are they going to be receptive to it? So it's just, yeah, maybe you could elaborate on that, the concept of Donna and how it's, mm. but I just really liked how you said right intention, antidote to the five things. Mm -hmm. It's just like Donna is an antidote to the defilement of greed or mm -hmm. all this craving and things. So, yeah, um, that, that was great too. And thank you for bringing it back around toward about Donna. So mm -hmm. there was something that you said. Oh, it's going to go out of my brain. Uh, so. So. Abandoning craving and clinging is coming is. Breathing. It's reuniting the mind and the body. It's coming back to what is happening in the body and the mind. Mm -hmm. What feelings, thoughts, overall consciousness, breath, watching it arise and passing away, staying present with, with the internal experience. Mm -hmm. 
that is how you stay present with anyone else. Right. So when things are really intense, we, we get into aversion. We want to, we want to get out of feeling that way, Mm -hmm. whether it's leaving the situation or trying to make some adjustment with the other person. But the way to stay present is to use the four foundations of mindfulness in that moment. Like, and that is being present with your people too. It's coming back to what is happening here. That is be also being present for them. So that's true gen- generosity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is what you just said. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's like, I'm just, you're, that's what you said to me. And that's how like I interpreted it. Yeah. That's great. Thank nice you. job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what everybody in here is saying. It's just kind of all like, yeah. Can I say something? Yeah. Um, he said, you said that I can't you see mom. sometimes wanted to help or you weren't sure or you you wanted to help, but you didn't know how they would take it. Or you, you didn't know if they were receptive. But that, at that moment is when I would stop and come back in and say, what is my intention right now? Yeah. Right. What is my intention? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And then that will sort of lead you in the right way. But right. That, yeah. That's yeah. That's, I think that's that very space. helpful to keep yeah. that. Yeah. But it's, it's really what Jen just said. But, but it's yeah. It makes yeah. It's when you're, when you're having that but... that moment of I wonder if they're gonna. I wonder. If, that's when you realize that. Yeah. This could be eye making and mm-hmm. really yeah. Four foundations of mindfulness. That's what yeah. coming back right. to the four foundations yeah. of mindfulness. And the aspects of right speech and right action also inform yeah. all of this. Mm-hmm. And most, most importantly, probably the point is what I'm about to say on the ball is that weird. Right. If it is, don't say it. Noble side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, in so many ways, it's just do good. It all fits together. It doesn't yeah, mean that if, if you notice, oh, I think it was now, if you notice that your dad didn't take his morning medicine, you tell him you forgot your morning medicine. But the difference would be what's wrong with you. you yeah, right, right. Or if he gets mad, then you get mad. Right. You might know that you're going to tell your dad, sorry yeah. to just jump in there. No, you're, you're right. Going to, you know, dad, you forgot to take your pills. And you know he's going to get mad, but you need to tell him anyway. Yeah. But the difference is, is you're clinging to, I wish I could have just told my dad to take his pills. And then he would have been like, you're such a good daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Right. If, if you, you know? do it when you know yeah. your dad's going to get angry with you, that's generosity. Yeah. yeah. And you just accept it. And you don't yeah, respond to him. Right. And then you don't go around the rest of the day feeling sorry for yourself or wishing that it was different. Yeah. yeah. It just is what it is. Maybe he's a creepy old guy. Maybe he's in pain. Maybe he's just not a nice person. And that's your right. dad and you have to live with it. And that's Duca. You can't change that. Yeah. You can only stop the second era, which is your clinging to wishing the situation mm. is different mm-hmm. than your dad. Yeah, it doesn't mean we stop being helpful in the world. Right. We just don't we're not helpful to save the world. Because we're we're all human beings. That's as far as it goes. Part of right intention, right intention is not causing harm. 
and that's yeah. based on all the facts. So kind of that's the structure of how you take all these different scenarios and have courage to not exclude and to feed it all into this this barrier of the eightfold path mm -hmm. and have courage while you work your way through that intellectual understanding. And then what you do all the time now is you process it to this is right intention. Mm. You know, so, yeah. You know, the courage not to say that's that's off limits because it's all feeding into the same thing. Mm. So, mm -hmm. I find that helpful. Tracy. Tracy. Um, amazing class today. Thank you. So timely. Honestly, because in our conversation last night. <laughs> um, one of the things I just wanted to say, um, I've been, I've been still, I've been in this state the last few weeks of just like coming home and grappling with what I now am starting to truly understand, which is dukkha which I didn't really completely fully understand. I mean, it's starting to land with me, like that truth, right? Like the re nature of reality. Mm. And I've been in this place of just real darkness, I would say about that, you know, like, like sort of this idea, like, oh, this is true, <laughs> you know, like, whoa <laughs> um and this this teaching um gave me a lot of hope right. for what i can do while i'm here mm -hmm. on this earth despite the reality that's hard to swallow pill mm -hmm. that there isn't love's not gonna save me you know having the perfect blah 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 is not gonna save me i can't fix myself or anybody else like so so i was in this moment just last night actually in the middle of the night just like devastated like well what the am i supposed to do that <laughs> why are we here just to sit in this shit? <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i was feeling i recognize that that is a feeling that i need to <laughs> um but this don this idea of donna which i have not really learned in mm. any way yet um gives me something to do mm. gives me a reason to be here because it's like well it's already the way it is so let's not add to it mm. um so i appreciate this so much it's going to carry me through the weekend oh good thank you <laughs> so you there's, there's, yeah. there's a article on donna i think it's called donna the greatest generosity if you just did a search on donna d-a-n-a okay. you'll come across it and it gets into this a little bit more Okay. That's what we, yeah. And they, we can't truly be generous if we're being stingy about what I need and what I want. I'm still stuck in grief and aversion. Mm -hmm. If not, you'll, you'll give freely of yourself because you're not holding back on anything. Yeah. It's just coming home to that truly accepting that first noble, noble truth. truth. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the Buddha, taught that because that's the that's the primary difficulty that all human beings we get this the buddha could almost has clearly said that the number one part of the first noble truth is there is distraction but 
he goes a little bit deeper and tells us what that distraction is. And so it's the preoccupation with dukkha, with greed and aversion, because our minds are rooted in ignorance or deluded thinking, that we do all kinds of things. Most of us in here don't haven't done horrible things as a result of our greed and aversion. Some of us have. I've done things that I wish I never did. Um, but all of that is is rooted in that severe eye-making when we start resolving these issues. What we realize is, and I, I talk about it often this way, Dukkha is about 1% of what occurs in our life. And I think if anybody really looked at it, you'd realize that. Even in the world, there's while all this stuff is going on, we're all distracted and the world is falling apart. The Buddha saw the same thing 2,600 years ago. And we've continued human history through that. I'm not going to say we got much better because we have it. But human history continues. Human beings continue. And Dukkha continues. It's just an aspect of being a human being. What the Buddha taught is how we ordinary human beings can understand that and so not spend our life preoccupied with greed and aversion. Yeah. And that means essentially people that we're rooted in dana because we're just not conflicted and restricted in our own self. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the world is an incredible place. It's even more incredible the less judgmental we are about it. You know, there's just wonderful, marvelous things going on every minute. But when we watch the news, all we think is, oh, the Buddha is right. There's only Dukkha. That's not what he said. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think, you know, when we first start practicing, you get into the first noble truth, and you've spent a little, probably your whole life avoiding it. Yeah. So you do have to like have a moment of yeah. mourning and yes, and but also don't forget the second, third, and fourth noble truth. Don't forget those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that he didn't yeah. just teach us one; it's one. all of them. Yeah. So we have a way out of this, but the way is through the feelings of yeah, that mourning reality. yeah <laughs> but that will pass cody uh, Hi. thank you for the teaching um i probably only have a very little bit to add to this conversation mm. but um what what john said in the context of um right intention right speech right action when we are in that place or we're having that conversation with somebody and we have to question our intentions. We have to, you know, say, what, what, what am I doing in this interaction? Like, what, what am I expecting to get out of this? Or how can I even help this person? Um, I think that they're, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if we're in right speech and we're in that moment, then we can just observe, like, this is what this person is saying to me. And um, you know, there's the people that we love and that we, you know, want to help and we want to instruct them. Or, um, and there's also, you know, like that that situation that we've talked about here as well. We have toxic people mm -hmm. that are affecting you negatively, and and you you just don't, you know, you're not comfortable in that interaction, and you don't know. But um, I mean, and I I think that that right speech can be if I don't have if I don't if I don't I don't want to fix you. I'm not trying to, like somebody a couple of weeks ago said to me, I was talking to them about something that I was struggling with emotionally. And they said, well, you know, I'm not going to dominate you. 
And I thought that was like, that's great. Thank you for not dominating me. Um, but um, when somebody says something crazy to you, or somebody says something you think is 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 wild or irrational, or and you just repeat that back to them without without. I don't have to put spin on it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to say, I just say, is is this what you're saying? And they hear that out loud a lot of the time. Like, that's enough. But I'm going, oh my God. Like, that's, you know, if it's that toxic person Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, like sucking up all the energy and and, and you just mirror what you are observing to them. Like, I I feel like that's right speech. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then again, like with with somebody who's coming to you, or um, is who's struggling, or who's who's troubled, or and and you just say, you know, I feel like I I observe, or I feel like this is what you're communicating to me, or I feel like this is what you're experiencing. Do I understand that? Mm-hmm. Then that's like, that's it. <laughs> like, um. And then they can they can find their own when you mirror that to them, they can find their own solution. They can find their own realization. They can observe the moment, they can observe themselves and come to their own conclusions. And you don't have to do that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's being present for somebody for sure. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about. And not putting yourself in right, and not inserting yourself. Yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what I think you should. Do. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Uh, not a lot to add except for a general commercial for the sangha. <laughs> oh yeah. And the two comments about uh, you know there's no higher level teachings and right you know you're you're a facilitator mm. and you know bridget's a teacher and mm-hmm. you're a mm-hmm. teacher mm-hmm. And each of us are teachers now and it's all guided by this eightfold path so you gently saying hey don't forget that third note truth <laughs> because there's four and they go together it helps you understand that fourth noble truth so again it's just the most important aspect of this practice is the sangha. Yeah, for sure. And you now let's cherish it and, you know, continue. So thank you. Continue contributing. <laughs> um, thank you, David. I think we're all set. Yeah, I'm really happy with this. Was, um, you know, I really, there's a few different points that I was wanting to make and a little concerned that I wasn't going to get to like fully land the plane. And um, you guys really, really showed up in a great way. So thank you so much. Um, and we'll finish with the Karaniya Metasutta. Sorry, we went over a little bit. Um, so... Find your relaxed meditation posture. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. 
they remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding fixed views, the pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Thank you all. Bye, Mary. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.